Radio Mano Papachango. Dr. Christopher Ryan and all of you beautiful tangentially speaking audience listening around the world. My name's Eric Redtail Heyman, my trail name, and I'm currently walking a thousand kilometres up the beautiful Bibbulmun Trail, stretching from the southwest corner of WA all the way up to Perth. Peace. Oh yeah, that sounds great. I want to have a trail name. I've never had a trail name. That sounds like a good thing to have. Redtail, thanks for your message. And those of you who haven't sent them in yet, think about it. Next time you're doing something interesting, you're in an interesting place, get out your phone, record a 20-second message saying what you're doing, and uh, maybe I'll throw it up here. I got, uh, I don't know, 20, 25 of them, so got a bunch in the can, but, uh, you know, we'll get to them. We'll get to them eventually, maybe, probably, hope so. Anyway, thanks for those. thanks to those of you who have sent them in. And uh, yeah, if you're up, if you're up for it, send it in. Why not? Cool. This episode is with Andrew Couch, Monkey Tooth podcast host. Uh, what's the story with Andrew? So I get a lot of emails from people asking me to be on their podcast, especially um, a lot. You know, some of them are established podcasts, and some of them are just starting out. And uh, I'm honored. I am. Um, but I can't do them. I just, it's, if I did them, I'd do nothing else. And so I can't. So generally Natasha who screens those emails just says, thanks, but you know, Chris is too busy. He's got other stuff going on, whatever. Um, but this guy, Andrew, uh, I think I first heard from him last summer when I was traveling around, he wrote and, and offered me a place to, uh, to, you know, pull up the van and hang out. And he seemed like a pretty charming, interesting guy. Um, unfortunately I wasn't near where he was living in Sebastopol in Northern California. Um, never got around to his crashing in his driveway, but then what else? Then, uh, I don't know. I heard from him occasionally over the months. I think when I was in a, when Cassie and I were going to New Orleans, he wrote and he had some advice because he had lived down there and he hooked us up and told us about a campground that was really good and recommended restaurants, whatever. So he and I have been corresponding for a while. And, uh, so there's some history there. And then he wrote and said, um, that he and his wife were going to be setting off on a trip to Northern Alaska in a van. And he sent me a picture and it's exactly the same van I have. Same year, same make, same color, everything. And uh, then after Alaska, they were going to come down, go south, and all the way to Argentina. And he mentioned that they were starting a podcast that would be um, partly to sort of document their travels. <clears throat> and he said something about how he'd love to have me on the podcast. And I said, well, you know, when you come down through this part of the world on your way to Argentina, let me know and maybe we'll do it thinking, you know, that'll be six months 
to a year from now, who knows? And uh, he was like, no, I was thinking like before we leave, like, you know, maybe Tuesday. And I'm like, wait a minute, this guy's driving to Alaska. He's going to leave in a week to go to a drive to Alaska. And he wants to drive seven hours to L.A. to have me on his podcast. Uh, That's crazy. But if he's willing to do it, I mean, Jesus, the least I can do is kind of find some time. So. I said, okay, if, if you want to do that, I wouldn't do it. But if you want to do it, um, you know, we'll work something out. Anyway, we did. He came down, drove down, and we met. Uh, and within about 30 seconds, I realized, you know, this guy's as cool as he seemed. Totally great van, had this great dog, Pele, uh, who had been in the jaws of two pit bulls just a few days before. And he had all these scars and this weird half-shaved mohawk-looking thing going on. But the dog was, like, totally relaxed and cool. And, like, geez, how, like, talk about not freaking out with the PTSD. That dog was uh, something to emulate. Anyway, so what we did was we sat in his van and we recorded his podcast, Monkey Tooth Podcast. If you want to hear me being the guest, I recommend you go check that out. Uh, And then I said, fuck, dude, why don't you come have dinner, make some food, we'll hang out at my place. And he was talking about, actually, I remember exactly what he was talking about when I thought I should do a podcast with him. Uh, He was talking about how he was living in, I guess, in Mississippi, and he'd had all these bizarre jobs, and one of them was that he built uh, a bar with, I think, like a plank from Muddy Waters, the house that Muddy Waters grew up in. I might be getting that wrong, but I think that's what he said that they they went to this house, this dirt floor house where Muddy Waters had lived till he was like 30, I think, and took a, uh, you know, with permission, of course, took a a plank from that uh, house and then like polyurethaned it and built it into the bar of this place that he was working on. Anyway, he just has lots of really interesting stories. And I was like, fuck, I, I should, let's do a podcast with you. And so we did. We never talked about that plank, though, I realize now as I'm saying this. So the impetus for getting him on the podcast, we never got around to it. But we got around to lots of other really interesting things. Andrew Couch is the guy's name. Super cool guy. Monkey Tooth Podcast. Recommend you check it out. And also, uh, if you are between, I guess he's probably there up in Oregon by now. But if you're... If you live in BC or you're uh, up in around Seattle area or you're up in Alaska, Fairbanks, Toke, um, or north of Fairbanks, and you want to have weary travelers use your shower, get in touch with these guys. They're cool. Uh, his wife, I haven't met his wife, but she's wonderful. She's a nurse. Um, and when you hear what a cool guy he is, you'll have no doubt that she's equally cool. And I know the dog is cool and everyone knows a dog is a window into the human soul. So, uh, news, the news of the day, I guess the most, uh, recent thing that's happened was the white house correspondence dinner 
with uh, Michelle Wolf. If you're American, you've probably heard about this. Uh, she made a lot of jokes at the expense of the media and the current administration. And uh, it's interesting because we sort of go through this ritual every year where the comedian that they invite to this thing lets it rip and then a bunch of people get offended and uh, shocked, just shocked that someone would dare to stand up in front of them and speak the truth. Uh, but I think, you know, the the offense is an indicator of just how fucked this system is because the only people who are really speaking the truth are not at that dinner except for the comedian. Everybody at that dinner is full of shit. The politicians, the media, they're all full of shit. And so that's why they're at the dinner. Jeremy Scahill doesn't go to that dinner. Noam Chomsky's not at that dinner. Uh, Glenn Greenwald's not at that dinner. The people who are at that dinner are insiders. They're the politicians and the media who protect each other. So when you have someone like Andrea Mitchell, who's, you know, NBC, foreign, whatever she is, oh, she's ter terribly offended that someone would dare to say this. Well, do you know who Andrea Mitchell's husband is? Alan Greenspan. Alan Greenspan, who ran the fucking world economy for eight years. Yeah. So she's going to be a real uh, objective journalist covering the government when she's totally, literally wedded to the government. Uh, yeah. So when you, a good rule of thumb, I would say, is look at the journalists who were offended by Michelle Wolf's remarks and you know that you cannot trust them to be giving you a straight story about what's going on in Washington. The people who aren't offended, who are defending her, those are people that are more likely to be representing the truth in their journalism. Uh, and, and again, I think, as I've said many times, uh, it sounds like I'm blowing smoke up the ass of my guests sometimes because I have a lot of comics on this podcast, but I think it's more important than ever that comedians feel free uh, to say whatever the fuck they want, no matter how offensive it is, no matter how strange and weird and risque it is. Because that's the only thing that keeps the doors open. That's the only thing that keeps the air flowing through a culture is that someone somewhere speaks the truth without thinking about the repercussions. And I try to do that in my own humble way here. Uh, it's nowhere, you know, obviously I'm not comparing myself to someone who stands up in front of a room of a thousand politicians and tells them they're full of shit. Although if they invited me, I like to think I would tell them that. Uh, I sort of did that in my TED talk in my own strange little way. But uh, yeah, I think it's very important that, that there are podcasters and comedians and writers and just regular folk at who are willing to make people feel uncomfortable at cocktail parties and dinner conversations by saying things that they honestly, sincerely believe to be true. I'm not talking about offending people just for fun. I'm not talking about Milo, whatever the fuck his name is, provocateurs. I'm talking about engaging in honest, open 
conversation without worrying about how it's going to land. A little bit of housekeeping here. I just want to throw in before I move on to the conversation with Andrew. I've been giving a lot of thought. Cassie and I have been talking about um, this whole Patreon bonus content, uh, Roma, behind the paywall, not behind the paywall, all that. And, you know, I all the advice that you get from Patreon is to produce bonus content only for your Patreon listeners. It moves more people into the Patreon world and yada, yada, yada. But the thing is, there are people who contribute to this podcast in so many ways, uh, not just financially and even financially, not just through Patreon. Sometimes someone will just drop 50 bucks in my PayPal account. Uh, sometimes People send me gifts. Uh, a guy sent me this beautiful handmade knife recently, which I need to take a picture of and post on Instagram. I keep forgetting it's out in the van. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of work. Another guy uh, wrote to me recently and he restores axes. He takes old axe heads and he uh, you know, sharpens them and cleans them up and puts a new handle on and he offered to make one for the van, a, like a camp camp axe or hatchet or something he's working on that now what am i going to do say oh you know because you did that which is worth hundreds of dollars but you're not on patreon you can't have access to this or that it just doesn't make any sense and also i understand there are people among you who don't have credit cards don't want to have credit cards or don't just you know aren't sort of in that system of uploading your credit card information so I think I'm just going to drop all that shit and just keep everything available for everyone. Every time I've tried this a couple times, every time I put things behind a paywall, I just end up feeling like a dick. So um, I'm just going to make everything available for everyone. Now, those of you who are on Patreon, you are beautiful, wonderful people. And there are bonus things, you know, a T-shirt, a signed copy of Sex at Dawn, a signed copy of Tangentially Speaking, whatever you want. Uh, if you've been, you know, if you're doing the 10, 20, 30, 50 a month and you've done it for a few months and you, there's no automatic thing where Patreon alerts us like, oh, by the way, you owe this person a t-shirt. So if you've been contributing for a while, uh, write to us, uh, you can contact me through Patreon or through the website that chrisryan.com. And, uh, just let us know, Hey, you know, I'd like a t-shirt and tell me what size, Give us your mailing address. What style? Is it a sex at dawn, a paleo modern, a tangentially speaking? Is it a hoodie? Is it a t-shirt? Whatever. Look on the website on the under store. There's all that stuff there. And just let us know what you want and we'll send it to you. But as far as the the actual romas and tomas and this and that, I'm just gonna make it all the way it's always been, free to everybody, because it's it's too much trouble. And I, like I said, there are people who contribute to the podcast in so many different ways. I don't know how to distinguish. And so fuck it. That's the way it should be. Uh, you know, we stick with the hunter gatherer. Every time I try to go agricultural, it fucks up. So we're going to stick with that hunter gatherer approach to life, which is share what you've got because everybody else is sharing too. And just sort of, uh, you know, assume Assume decency and um, generosity, and that's what you find most of the time. And if somebody's being, uh, you know, if somebody breaks that rule in the hunter-gatherer society, people notice. 
and uh, and they take measures to uh, to correct that. But uh, you people are cool. I have yet to meet anyone through this podcast who wasn't a wonderful person. So I'm not sure exactly how that works, but so far so good. I think I've said enough. I think we're just going to turn to this conversation with Andrew Couch, Monkey Tooth Podcast. As I said, if you um, are in a position to uh, to help them out, offer them a hot shower along the way, I hope you will. And I'm sure you can contact them through their uh, website, uh, which is monkeytoothpodcast.dog, I think, something like that. I don't know. Google them. You'll find it. Thanks for listening. All right, I'm going to play you out with a tune called Waltz for the Rain, which is uh, was sent in by a guy who listens to the podcast, Leo DeSanto. The album is called The Moon, A Silver Dime. Love this tune. Hope you enjoy it. Fall down and lean on the window pane, then rise up and twist in the weather vane. Rise up and fall down again. Fall down, walk these city streets again, then rise up to washed out skies. Welcome in, rise up and fall down again. Rise up and fall down, fall down again Rise up, for heaven is waiting Then fall back with the weight of your suffering Rise up and fall back again Fall down and send rivers on their way Then rise up and come back some other day Go and come back again Go and come back, come back again up, for we all must try to rise, then fall down like teardrops from weeping eyes, fall down like teardrops again, and I won't abuse you with flattery, and I won't complain when you fall on me, 
rise and fall on me again. Rise and fall on me, fall on me again. Rise up and fall down again. Rise up and fall down, fall down again. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with Andrew Couch. Just like furniture. Andrew Couch. Um, yeah, this is one of these podcasts, these impromptu podcasts that I like doing so much. Uh, Andrew wrote to me, oh, fuck, how long ago did you first write to me? Was it after the, the thing with Charis? Uh, right before when I decided, well, actually, I wrote you one a long time ago, inviting you if you ever wanted to on your anthropology tour to oh, stop okay. through sebastopol you right but uh I, I wrote to you a kind of an apologetic letter that hey i've got this big red sprinter van and i want to do a podcast oh, that's right and where i'm uh blatantly ripping you off it's an accident and where i'm subtly ripping you off <laughs> it's totally on purpose <laughs> all right yeah so andrew has exactly the same van that i have yes the 2006 dodge sprinter mm-hmm uh and it's uh, we sort of did the interior similarly Similarly, we both have the sort of you know uh woodwork running longitudinally you know front to back (laughs) uh sink more or less in the same Same spot spot, same size bed same the even the the height of the bed is about about the same same. Yeah. yeah yeah um so yeah he's totally ripping me off here just shameless and now, of course, you've started a podcast mm-hmm. You're, with, with a monkey on the front. With a monkey, yeah, yeah exactly. You got a, a wife who works in healthcare, mm-hmm. a <sighs> massage therapist, a massage therapist, a photographer at one point. Right, right. Have you ever been to prison in Alaska? I have not, but we will not be yet. there in a few months. That's Give me right. time. That's right. Give me time. I'm a few years. You just got to steal some fucking Snickers bars and. <laughs> wait to get caught so uh yeah so andrew uh cruised down to have me on his podcast and uh i met him at a local cafe because i wasn't sure if he was going to be a creepy weirdo or a nice guy smart move turns out he's a creepy nice nice. weirdo (laughs) and uh so we're back at my place we did his podcast which is called what monkey tooth monkey tooth podcast i think I'll be episode nine or ten or something. Yes, sir. It's in the early days, so you can find that wherever yes. podcasts are found. Wherever podcasts are found, Monkey Tooth Podcast with Andrew Couch and my wife Tiffany. Tiffany, okay, you co-host it. Uh, we do. Yeah. Oh, okay. She's cool. not crazy about being on the podcast yet. She's hmm. not real, uh, but she's involved. I mean, she's you know very much involved with yeah. the editorial decisions and uh, okay. helps me with it. And occasionally, I can write something in her voice and she'll read it you know? <laughs> but yeah she's not she's slowly becoming more comfortable with the microphone and so am i for that matter yeah it's it's a weird thing mm-hmm. it's a weird thing hearing your own voice is strange that, that takes time yeah. and and also like talking about personal things uh in a way that anyone in the world can hear it yeah that's kind of a weird thing it, it, it is yeah. So I don't know. Like if she doesn't, if she's not comfortable with it, I certainly get that. Yeah. You know, there there are people 
you know, in my family, I've never had on the podcast, never even considered it, honestly, because yeah. it just feels like an invasion of their privacy. And Casilda's only been on twice. And uh, and she enjoyed it. Um, actually, I got a bunch of shit when I had her on the podcast. Really? Both times. Yeah, I rarely get a lot of shit from listeners. But uh, and, and, yeah, it's not a lot of shit. Maybe two or three emails. But people were... Um, some people felt that I was talking too much. Yeah. And the reason that they don't understand is I'm very protective of her. English is her seventh language. Yeah. And so I'm very like, you know, she's in this world, my world that I'm accustomed to. Right. And, you know, she's at this disadvantage speaking sure. a language and, and, and so I'm very like, if, if she says something that like, oh, people aren't going to understand that, I, yeah. I like jump in and say, okay, you mean da, da, da. Mm. And, and it comes, I think it came across to some people as me being sort of, you know, like uh, talking over her type of thing. Yeah. Overbearing mansplainer uh, kind of thing. Well, which, yeah. Give a little context. I mean, listen to any other one of your episodes i would imagine. I talk over everybody yeah it's you do it's equal opportunity <laughs> just gonna railroad whatever it is that you think you're saying no anyway <laughs> enough about you um back to me now so you're about to head off on like your life is mm-hmm. in a very interesting moment of change right now yeah um my wife and i have been on uh, we've been together with some small breaks for about 18 years um oh. we got married eight years ago uh in new orleans and uh we decided to take a long distance bicycle trip um about three and a half four years ago and uh i feel like we've been on that journey ever since hmm. we we made the trip across the states um on the southern tier which you know goes from saint augustine to uh to san diego right and it's incredible it'll give you a really deep appreciation for texas i highly suggest it to anybody really um we rode with a couple on a tandem bicycle they were in their 70s what third trip across the country what yeah they were brilliant wonderful lovely people we rode with them for a week through texas i mean fell in love with this couple they were so cool um the, the the guy the husband told me he's like listen whatever direction you feel like your relationship is heading um uh a tandem bicycle is going to accelerate that. So if you're about to break up, just, yeah, just don't hold your with. breath. It's going to be over in no time. <laughs> yeah. If you feel like you're going in a good trajectory, you're going to hit the upper stratosphere. Right. Uh, so anyhow, we we did that journey, and um, we're kind of looking for an address, a new place to live. Um, and, uh, of course, at the very end of the journey, we end up taking <laughs> – we rented a car and drove up to Mendocino County to visit a friend, and we stopped in uh, Petaluma. And we're like, oh, Sonoma County. Let's just move here. (laughs) One of the most expensive places to live. Right. Uh, So we moved back. We went back to New Orleans, sold all our shit, had the most epic yard sale of all time. I I like gave away free shots of liquor for every $20 worth of purchase items. I had my 10-year-old nephew at the time collecting all the money. So if someone was like, oh, I'll give you five bucks for this. He's like, the tag says seven. Yeah, you gonna argue with me? Uh, yeah, he's like, okay, and he just go to the next person. <laughs> Anyhow, so uh, we ended up buying an RV in um, in New Orleans and driving that out to uh, to Sonoma County hmm. and finding land to rent, and that's been our our home for the past three and a half years. Saved a shitload of money, made Bay Area money, but spent less than New Orleans rent. 
um, and it financed our, our this leg of our journey. And how big was is, the RV? It's 33 feet 33. Um, with two little pop-outs. So right. it's not as narrow as a car. Right. You know, but um, we, uh, yeah, we, we lived in that for three and a half years, which is insane. What did you pay for it? We got it for about seventeen thousand. What'd you sell it for? Uh, seventeen thousand. That's what I was looking for. However, we did a lot of work to it. Uh, I mean, okay. We gutted the inside because RVs are um, uniformly atrocious. Yeah, they just look like the nineties. Fuck the seventies <laughs> with the eighties watching, yeah. and it's just I mean that weird yeah. bronzish yeah. shitty wood. So we gutted all that and made it look like basically every apartment we've ever had, uh, you know, uh, put in real wood and like a real sink and that sort of stuff. Mm. So we've, there's money invested in it to make right. it feel like home. Cause to, um, convince my hardworking wife to come live with me in a series of trucks is, uh, you got to make it nice, you know? Um, yeah. She's working a nine to five and coming yeah, home. A, she needs to chill. Yeah. She's a nurse, yeah. uh, and a damn good one. And, uh, and and me too. I like I, I like to be comfortable. I'm not just trying to say that I'm some sure. stoic who can right. sleep standing up. No, I want to have a night. Yeah, <laughs> I want to sleep comfortably. Um, so yeah, we did that, and uh, the, the goal has just been to retire early and often. That's our our, our motto. Right. Um, she's got great genetics, barring tra- tragedy. She'll live to be quite old. I, I don't have that in the genetic cards of my family. Uh, so I, I felt real compelled to <laughs> get it in while I can fit it in. Right. So that's so our next journey, this this part of the journey, I did uh, basically follow you constantly until I could get the exact right vehicle to uh, <laughs> to conduct and propagate our trip uh-huh. from uh, yeah. Bay Area to Alaska and then turn around and go all the way to Argentina. And, and at any point in time, we Argentina. Made, yeah. yeah. And yeah. you you weren't tempted to take the RV. No, that fucker's huge. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's seven miles, seven, yeah. to eight miles yeah. to the gallon. Yeah, whereas not... this thing gets 20. Right. Um, yeah. No, and the RV. And we want to, you know, crossing the Darien Gap in Panama, you've got to get a shipping container and put your vehicle in. So there's, mm. you know, I'm hoping we're going to fit. I mean, mm. We've heard of other people doing this, but yeah, you just never know. I mean, how all this shit can go. Right. And, uh, the podcast actually just happened. Like, uh, um, I sort of decided to do that maybe just a few months ago and then just pulled the trigger and started doing it, uh, which is kind of how everything so happens. You, de- you decided to do it as a way of documenting the people you meet and the yeah. shit that's happening. Yeah. yeah, I find it's really useful. I used to keep journals when I traveled, yeah. <clears throat> and now it's like the podcast. You know, yeah. I talk about what I'm thinking about. I talk about what's happening and, yeah. you know, people I meet. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, my friends... Uh, kind of almost make fun of me for having always collected they say like, you've got a weirdo magnet on you that you just seem to always meet these people and I'm, but i'm always telling the story and it sounds so improbable it's like right it's like did you really meet that guy with this thing and do that yeah so uh, now i'm gonna just shove a microphone in that guy's face but like say that again will you <laughs> yeah yeah um but and um it also gives a sense of purpose to it so it's not just that we're escaping and and taking some white privileged journey of le- leisure mm. throughout you know North Central and South America like we want to I mean it is God damn it Chris it is anthropology I mean that's <laughs> anthropology that's kind of what it is I yeah. mean it's it's a way of sort of chronicling and uh, archiving experience uh, we talked a bit little just for a second about that book Blue Highways yeah like, if you read that book now that world is gone yeah the the the, the time that the 
if you haven't read this book, Blue Highways, excellent book. Guy takes a kind of a what is it, ground the country trip right. on all the blue roads on the map, which right, are the which are like secondary or ter- tertiary roads. Yeah. yeah. But his description of just even social interactions and, you know, buying a can of beans at a general store. I mean, that world doesn't exist in this in this day. Of yeah, life, I was reading a book recently called Travels with Charlie. Yeah. Have you read Steinbeck. that? I love yeah. that book. Yeah. 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 Similarly, a world that no longer exists. It doesn't exist. And he, you know, it's interesting. He, I don't know if you remember, but he talks about how he took that trip because he had heart problems. He knew he was going to die. Yeah. And, and he, he did he shortly did. thereafter. Yeah. 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 That, I mean, uh, I, I'm not just ripping you off, Chris. I am also ripping off Steinbeck. <laughs> I'm ripping off the guy who wrote the Blue Highway. People, yeah. Just like, beg, borrow, and steal from anybody I can. You got to live. Yeah. Yeah, although you you look very healthy, man. I don't know. Uh, it's the cocaine. It's it keeps, it, you, it keeps you going. Yeah, yeah that'll, that's good for your health, too. Yeah, good for no, your heart. It's, it's vitamin C. I, I, I try to stay healthy. You know, I exercise, and uh, I'm ashamed of my naked body in front of my wife, so I have to keep it... Uh, I'm not really ashamed of my naked body. <laughs> uh, just, just stay behind her. Just stay behind. Um, no, I mean, I, I am afraid of my familial history with health, um, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to live as best I can. I want to be able to experience as much as I can and share as much as I can, and I feel like good health is a part of that. I just feel better, you know. If, yeah. If, um, so yeah, I try to take good care of myself, but I mean, I was. Last year, um, I started listening to podcasts, and of course, uh, I think the the starter pack is Joe Rogan and Keto. You know, you immediately start like, "Well, God, I got to do more yoga and push ups." <laughs> yeah. So I felt you know, like in really good shape. I was kayaking all the time. I felt great, and then uh, I came home from work, and um, I think I've mentioned I have a very stress free job. I'm a massage therapist at a chilled out spa, and my heart didn't feel right. Something was wrong, and I told my wife about it, and she's her her specialty she's an electrophysiological nurse i mean she's dealing with the you know that part of the heart she puts the stethoscope on me it's like can't be that you're fine we'll see how you are in the morning well morning comes around and um i felt like shit i didn't sleep was lethargic i felt terrible so she brought me into work and dressed me up like a nurse put me on the 12 lead on the table before the patients showed up and saw that i was an afib um, which is a very dangerous heart rhythm to come out of. Um, and uh, the, the, the risk in that is a stroke, that when you come out of that rhythm that you've, um, you know, you're, the valves. Some of the blood's coagulated. coagulated right. in the, the not properly firing valve right. chamber. So as I'm laying on the, uh, on the table uh, in the emergency room, getting ready to be defibrillated, <laughs> I looked at my wife. I was like, I need you to wrap my thighs in bacon and push me into the woods to be eaten by a bear or put me at sea so I can be eaten by sharks. Do not let me die on a fucking hospital table in a bed. Like, I I do not want to die in a hospital. Like, I've seen, I've watched my father pass after, you know, 10 days in an ICU. Um, You know, I, I, it's, uh, so yeah, 10 days later after that incident, I bought our van. And uh, I know it's hard to believe, but then I discovered that you also have me. 
And I actually, I, I submitted a name and to And I you. also dream about dying with bacon wrapped around my thighs. Yeah, so. well, a man can dream. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a fetish. It's a very niche fetish. But uh, I, I submitted a name to you for when you were lo- searching for names for the van. Uh-huh. And uh, since you didn't take that name, it's now the name of, of our van. Oh, what was it? Uh, El Sonador. Oh, yeah. The that's dream a good van. one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't think about doing a van pun. I'm not clever enough to <laughs> think of a van pun. I, yeah, see, that's why you have to have the social media following. Yeah. They they just come through in <laughs> those moments. It <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I Well, I guess you know the story. I painted Masaya on the front. Further, right? Is that what Masaya in Spanish, yeah. further. Yeah, which is sort of a reference to the Yippie, or not the Yippies, the, who was it? Um, Ken Kesey and those guys. Pranksters. The Pranksters, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, but then I realized that it would look like First, it would it Looks would like read Allah. Allah Sam, you know, in the rearview mirror. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like, oh, I'm going to Idaho. I don't think Allah is what I want on the van. Yeah, you gotta come back, and there will be like swastika spray painted yeah. on there or something. All the things you have to think about. <laughs> I know, um, but yeah, Scarlett Johansson. That's that's pretty pretty good. That's a pretty good yeah, one. I think yeah. you, you did all right. I don't remember who gave me that name, but thank you if you're listening. <laughs> thank you. Shout out to you. Mm. Uh, so you talking about blue highways mm-hmm. you rode bicycles from st augustine florida to san diego yes what is that three thousand miles or something no uh i think it's like two thousand two thousand miles all yeah. right what kind of roads were you riding on oh so what's really incredible um where i find incredible there's a series of um it's like bicycle america they put out these um you know, there's a southern tier. There's a few different ones yeah. around the country. Uh, there's like a north to south, south to north thing. Mm. Um, and, and it's just pretty well laid out. I mean, with like turn left here, you know, and it's done by section. So you don't have to carry the whole thing with you if you don't want to. And it, it's folded perfectly so it can fit in the top of a bike bag. And it's right. really well done. Right. Um, and they're only like 20 bucks or something like that per map. Um, so we, we, we took that route and you can decide to, not follow it if you choose to. So for the most part, we took kind of back roads. I mean, it was blue highways for sure. Right. There was a spot in Texas, and we we opted for Marfa. We didn't go down to Terlingua like like you guys did, but uh, Marfa was out of our way because hmm. um, the other option puts you on I ten, and we did have to jump on I ten for some points. Which yeah. Was fucked. Well, that's why I asked because I don't know if you heard, but um, I recorded a podcast with a dude on the I ten who was riding his bike. Yeah, that I, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and and I just it was like, what a horrible place to ride a bike, you know? We we met a character who was um, he was an ornithologist, like a, a an amateur bird watcher, and uh, I, actually I don't think he was an ornithologist. I think he was just like <laughs> an Olympian level enthusiast of birds and right. he was trying to set a record for the most birds observed in a single season on bicycle and he started in boston in the winter and it was one of those horrible shit winters and he left in january and he'd been on interstates exclusively because he didn't give a fuck about the bike ride right. he wanted to see birds so he rode down south to like dauphin island alabama to see where all these like birds coming up from south america and just you know racked up dozens of species and then he went you know all interstate and it, if i guess if you don't care about the points in between and you don't care about 
I mean, the abject terror of yeah. 18 wheeler flying. <laughs> yeah. It's not nice. I, I don't recommend it, but, yeah. but being on the side roads, I mean, it, it, none of it's safe. I mean, you've ridden motorcycles, you ride a bike around, you know how yeah. I mean, exposed you are, but yeah. there are moments when, um, and I noticed you had a really cool photo of an empty road. That was my wife's favorite thing mm. is to get a shot of just a completely empty road. Right. It's got a cool sort of, you know, borderland type of feel. You yeah. Know? You're in between a few things. And uh, when you're on a bicycle and there's no one around, no cars around, it's a beautiful silence. Yeah. You know, because you've got this space around you that's no grass. You're not worried about something sneaking up on you. Yeah. But you can observe all this landscape. Yeah. That was It was pretty special when it mm. was and then awful when it wasn't. <laughs> So you guys were crashing in a tent? Uh, a lot of times, man, we we oversaved. We saved way too much money to do it because we didn't know. I mean, we were just like, we didn't want to run out of money. And uh, we uh, we were staying in hotels from time to time. And there's a really cool network of people. Um, it's called Warm Showers, which is amazingly not a porn site. Uh, it's a it's a like a couch surfing for cyclists. Yeah. Um, are you writing down warm showers? No, I'm like just buy warmshowers.net. <laughs> turn it into <laughs> yeah, exactly. Turn it. It can. It'll soon soon be a porn yeah, site. Yeah. yeah. Um, brought to you by Avian Award winning. Did you see my trophy I up did there? See your trophy. Yeah. It's all true. It's all it. true, man. I have not touched it. Well, you can touch it if Thanks, you want man. to. Thank you. Uh, but so, yeah, there's, so there's a network of people you can stay yeah, with. And oh. we met some really fascinating people on that. I'll bet. Oh man, it was great. And the, the type of people who either had done some cycling or they'd done some other types of long distance journeying and had a, an empathy for that type of traveler. Like, yeah, come right. stay with us, man. Like, right. It was, it was, man, it was so cool. So you said you oversaved. Like, wh- what's a r- realistic budget for something like that? Well, uh, it only takes two months. To, to do if and, and we, really the ride across the country is two, two months. months yeah and we were not like i mean i did 100 miles one day because i got lost I, I i fucked up yeah i was by myself uh the first week i actually picked up my wife in new orleans then we were you her. already like you know bike hardened when um, you guys took off were you in shape or did was the first week hell n- well yes and no we I, i'd been training a lot um I worked in, in restaurants at the time and I had a lot more spare time. And one thing I did, uh, I have no um, uh, shame. <laughs> and so I took a job as a uh, pedicab driver because there's no hills in New Orleans. Right. But there's a, uh, uh, I would say, an abundance of uh, portly folks looking for a ride around right. the French Quarter. Right. So I, would, I didn't care. I didn't care about making money. Like, sure, you're training. You're, just get in. Yeah. I'll take you wherever you want to go. So I was hauling ass. Hauling, right? You know, big folks, drunk people around, and yeah. dead if, weight. If, if, yeah, <laughs> if there's not a podcast out there of somebody on a pedicab just doing quick interviews, there fucking well should be because you meet some characters. Yeah. But so I did the pedicab thing, like hauling people around to sort of get in shape, and then I would take you know long rides around. Oh, and then I did um, the Natchez Trace. Oh, right. Which was way cool. Goes from Natchez, Mississippi, up to Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. And that took about a week. Um, but then I didn't ride it back down. My wife came and picked me up. Uh, but yeah, so I was I was in pretty pretty good riding condition, and my wife is already just in good shape anyway. She's got mm-hmm. good genes. But that first week of everyday riding, no matter what, like you camp in a tent. That first week, I only stayed in tents, and, and it was it was a little rough, man. Like yeah. your your ass is getting in shape for that. Yeah, your muscles might be fine, but your 
just your butt, the yeah. actual parts of you that touch the seat. That takes a hot second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's cool. I see him. He's, okay. he's right out there. Okay. Pele. I'm Pele just thinking about dog. like uh, yeah, coyotes my, and bobcats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, buddy. Sorry. So Pele is uh, a very cool little brown dog who a week ago was in the jaws of two. Yeah. Uh, a couple weeks ago, he pitbulls. got mauled by two 90-pound pitbulls Fucking. right in front of our van, in front of my other, <laughs> our series of trucks at our place. A neighbor's dog just, um, it's a sad story. They're fire refugees. They lost their place in the Sonoma oh, yeah. fire. So, like, they weren't really meant to be there. You know, they were just, it was a sort of temporary thing, and mm. they just broke down their enclosure and came over and fucked him up. It was anyhow. So. Anyway, he's he's okay. Yes, yeah. I see. Did he have surgery or anything? He had a couple drains in the wounds for mm. about a week. One of which he removed day one. Mm. Thanks, buddy. Uh, but he had stitches, and he's got this weird <laughs> postmodern punk hairdo thing going on. <laughs> it is shaved on shaved. one side, yeah. not the other. A little mohawk action. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he's all right, man. He's, but you know, like you, he has no shame. None. It's good. It's a good quality in a dog. Yeah. yeah. Who wants a dog? Is like shamed. Like, what's what's the point? One of all of of the many things I've really enjoyed in your podcast. Something that you said that I thought was so perfect and brilliant. You compared. And I feel like he would like this too, but you compared Ringo Starr to a dog. Did I? You were like, he's just got this innate quality about yeah. him, like a dog does. Yeah. He just has always gotten the joke and he never took himself too seriously. Yeah. And I thought like, I'll never be able to look at Ringo Starr again the same because of that. I was like, yeah. Oh, and also he's, he's named Ringo. His name is, he's got a dog name. He's got a dog's name. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like he would Good appreciate Ringo. that because do you mind him getting on your no, couch? No, 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 no. Come here, bud. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. So he's going along on the ride. Yeah, he adopted us, man. We were not planning on taking a dog at all. Um, but see, this is what I like about the way you're... I mean, we've known each other for three hours or something here, so I can't comment on the way you live your life. Right. But from what I've seen, it, it seems to me like you're sort of... You have a loose plan, but then shit happens and you respond to it. Yeah. So this fucking cool little dog decides right. he wants to join the family and suddenly right. okay we're going to change our plans yeah, that's kind of how it's how it's going I, I think that's a pretty fair way to sum it up and it's so much better than saying okay we need to get a dog to take on the trip you right. know to protect the van and blah blah yeah. blah and like what kind of dog should we get and blah, blah, blah. and then you end up with a you know not necessarily the right dog but right. when the dog chooses you yeah i my wife hates it when I say this, but like, did you see that movie Lion? With the little kid in India who like wakes up, he fell asleep on a train and he wakes up in the middle of nowhere in another city in India and he's, you know, like looking for his brother. No. Oh my God. It's the same character. I don't know the actor's name who played the, um, in Slumdog Millionaire, he plays the adult version of this child. Right. And it's just this, I mean, it's a heartbreaking story of this, you know. Ter- uh, I mean, objectively terrifying scenario. To, you, you don't know what the name of your city is when you're five. You know, you, know, oh, you just know your wow. mom's name. You don't know yeah. her last name. Right. You don't even know your last name. Right. And he just found himself with all these lost children in the streets of like maybe Bangladesh or something. I don't know where he ended wow. up. But anyhow, I, I compare this dog <laughs> to that, that kid because at some point, I mean, already he's going to wake up and everything's different. Where, the, where he grew up is no longer there. Mm. You know, all the things that he's been familiar with are just no longer going to be available to him. And he has no, he can't tell anyone. You yeah. know, he can't be like, hey, can I go back to, 
I'd like to see those other dogs that I was friends with. And, you know, he's just going to be yeah. like, these two people are, and this, my wife's also going to hate this. Uh, upon a romantic interface in the van, this fucker's there. He's just there all the time. Like, it's fucking around an animal. It yeah. takes some getting used to. It does. You know? <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. So, as long yeah. as he knows to back off or when to jump in. Don't <laughs> you wait. No, no I, God, she is definitely yeah, going to hate that. Gotta, She's going to, you got to train him. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. It's a little weird. Cause he won't, you know, he loves us and he's like, well, they're having a good time. I'll just keep sleeping. <laughs> yeah. And he sleeps through it, which makes me well, feel like maybe good. I'm not doing a great job. Like I'm not even disturbing him. I'm not just like such a <laughs> yeah. questioning my own manhood. <laughs> his tepid response. Yeah. Well, I think he's going to have a great time because oh. I mean, dogs love to travel mm. and they love to have a purpose yeah and he's got both yeah 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 all right so we're talking about Sorry. a dog nobody can see no one can see yeah uh, well if you'd like to learn more about our dog you can go to www.mtp.dog which we actually had the domain before we got the dog are you serious yeah <laughs> mtp what's that monkey tooth podcast oh okay mtp dot and i didn't know that dot dog was a thing i thought it was just dot com dot org yeah net, but dot dog is available no uh, kidding via squarespace huh um and uh i wrote up a fictionalized account of his life that you can read uh, if you'd like and see pictures of bailey oh all right and you can follow us at monkey tooth i think I don't know how that works, honestly. <laughs> We've got an Instagram and a something. Yeah, we got some shit you can follow. But, All right. Yeah. Well, I know the, the website works because I made it. Good, but you don't know your Instagram. I think handle? it's. I'm pretty sure it's Monkey Tooth Podcast. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We will. I'll put a link to it Thanks, on the Chris. webpage. Uh, so I don't think we've really talked much about this upcoming trip. Uh, been we, we've, been, we've been talking about the bike trip. You did give me an espresso earlier. Yeah, that's it's, it's I, working. I pumped you up a little bit. A little bit. Um, so, okay, wait a minute. Back to the bike trip. Yes. So w- why did you do that? Was there something that happened in your life where you're like, we need a break, we need to break these patterns, it's time for a change? Uh, I, well, I tend to do that. Um, I, I mean, I don't know how far back, how much of my life story you want. Uh, Whatever you got, man. Well, I was born in Memphis, Tennessee. A same poor hospital, black child? Same hospital Elvis died in. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and I grew up in North Mississippi. And uh, my mom has always been kind of a traveler. Right. Um, and talk about your mom a little bit. Oh, you you mentioned awesome. her. She sounds great. She is great. Uh, she's a nurse um, and does not see her work as a job. She sees it as a vocation. Right. And she dedicated her life uh, to the sick and dying, to the dying specifically, people who are terminal. Uh, she got into hospice really early, even early in her nursing career. She told me a story once. Um, uh, a professor of hers was like, you're not afraid to be around people who are dying, you know, because it is awkward, you know. Yeah. She don't know what to say. And my mom has no fear of it. And she just wants to be their friend and, and, and be available for them and to listen to their tale and, uh, and, and give them a, a measure of dignity and death, um, independent of like the, you know, Tibetan book of the dead or any of those Eastern philosophies. I mean, she's a Catholic, you know, mm. um, which, uh, I think that also informs her decision-making and the way she treats people. But, um, 
Yeah, she's a, uh, she became a hospice nurse and started a, a like a palliative hair, palliative care uh, oncology division in this hospital in, in North Mississippi. And she was called the angel of death and treated like shit by her coworkers because they just didn't get it. You know, they thought that she was just trying to put people down some Jack Kevorkian thing, you know, mm. people not really listening to anything she had to say. And, um, you know, she would come home from dinner at night and tell us these amazing stories about this man. You know, I remember one in particular, Mr. Jackson, and she told us about Mr. Jackson for, you know, maybe a month or two. And he was this beautiful soul who was sick and dying. And she would talk to us about him. And then one day at dinner, she's like, well, Mr. Jackson died today. <laughs> you know, and for her, it's this, he got the opportunity to pass along for us. So she believes in heaven and hell and she all She does that. believe in heaven and hell, which, um, you know, I, I, I don't find a comfort in that, but, um, what it means to her, I think is kind of beautiful. You know, it's, it's not that you, she's good for the sake of that eternal reward, you know, or, or that she's afraid of being some other kind of way for fear of retribution. She's just good and, and believes that good people go to heaven, you know? Um, she's never really harped on hell too much, which is, hmm. which is great. Yeah. For, for someone who's masturbated as much as I have. <laughs> God, hey, that's as start, close to heaven as I get. Yeah, if you start worrying about hell and your grandparents watching you and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's, it's a boner killer. Yeah, just yeah. hard off. Yeah. Um, but sorry to bring up masturbation. <laughs> yeah, we don't talk about sex no, on this podcast. No, we do not. We shan't. Um, um, do you know was were there experiences in her life that made her comfortable with death i think so i mean we've never really talked exactly about how that you know her influence or but she's told me some amazing stories she had some pretty near-death experiences oh. um, i mean she was in a terrible car accident in germany she was visiting her brother who was in the military um she and her mom and she had glass in her eyes for years from that accident. Mm. And then she nearly died when she was 16 or 17. I think she had to have her thyroid out uh, from some really scary sort of scenario. And, uh, you know, it was her faith that helped her deal with that, you know, that, that fear of death. Mm. And um, I think sort of transcending the fear of her own death empowered her to help people in that moment. Right. And she, I mean... I know everybody thinks like their kids, the cutest kid or their mom's the greatest mom. I would, I'll say it. My mom is an amazing human being and you know, she's not a perfect human being, but those don't exist. Uh, she will love people like they're, they're her best friend that she doesn't know and doesn't care about their background, what they've done in their life, what sort of things and just will love them to death and help them feel comfortable in those moments, which is, Incredible, incredible mm. thing to do. I think that is incredible. Yeah, it's a great gift. Yeah, and your father? My dad was an attorney. Um, he was. Uh, he grew up dirt poor in Michigan. Um, there were sixteen children born in his family, and thirteen of them survived infancy. Um, and he would say, uh, "My dad was a drunk Catholic, and my mom was a deaf Protestant." And every night he'd say, hey, Bridge, you want to go to bed or what? And my dad referred to himself as the 13th what? Uh, they were just, I mean, poor, 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 poor. He said they had like two beds for the kids. They put him on the bottom of one of them because he'd always piss the sheets. Huh. Uh, and he... Um, he was, was it a farm family? No, no. They were uh, Flint, Michigan. 
um, yeah, they just, you know, couldn't stop making babies. <laughs> so, so his father had a job in a car factory or I something? I believe so. Yeah. You know what, what's strange? I, this sounds horrible. I only know the names of like a few of my uncles and aunts. I, mm-hmm. I, I've met them, but we just haven't been close. We never really got close. Right. I wasn't particularly close to my dad, but, um, uh, yeah, I didn't really, I don't really know much of that family history, which was kind of a shame. Mm. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he definitely had some, you know, some hard times upbringing wise, you know, just right. suffering, but, uh, he had a pretty happy go lucky personality and he, man, he went through some near death stuff. He had one of the very first mechanical valves ever put in a human heart. Really? Uh, yeah. He, um, his whole childhood, he had, he had like rheumatic fever as a child, mm. which was kind of common back then. Right. So he couldn't play baseball, couldn't run, couldn't do all this stuff. And then, uh, when it came time for the Vietnam draft, his physician, family physician was like stamped. You're a Marine. You're what? cleared to go and be a Marine. So he was drafted. So he couldn't play softball, but he could go to Vietnam. He could go to Vietnam. Wow. And, uh, you know, that for him was a death sentence. Yeah. Know, Cause he, you know, he would have been front of the lines, poor kid from Flint, like fuck right. him, put him fodder, you know, go shoot Brown people. Good luck. Yeah. Um, and, uh, in boot camp, um, that stress on his heart, I mean, enlarged his heart massively and nearly killed him. And if it wasn't for like, um, I think it was a drill sergeant or someone superior to him was like, we got to get this kid through. It's his only chance is the, the, the VA is your only chance. Cause you're fucked. Cause he, oh, I mean, right. cause he would never been able to afford any kind of surgery like that. So they, they, I mean, I think, wow. So actually the military could have saved his life. They did most definitely. Yeah. Cause he did not go to Vietnam. I mean, he couldn't have, he could barely right. stand. I think there was actually someone holding him up oh, when he graduated uh, from boot camp. So he had all these massive heart problems. He was actually blind in one eye from like a clot. I mean, he had all kinds of crazy things, but, uh, I'll, I'll never forget when you would sit in the room with my dad, um, it'd be quiet. And you could hear his heart beating and it had this very distinct rhythm. Um, I would listen to my own heart and it was like, one, two, three, four. But his was like this. It was so bizarre. Like this just kind of like three to four rhythm. It always made me feel even weirdly more distant from my dad that he, (laughs) that even our heartbeats didn't line up. Right. But um, yeah, it, it was, he had a pretty interesting, uh, go at it you know he died at 56 hmm. yeah and and how did your mom deal with that they were divorced for many many years oh, okay. uh, they were um i don't know i mean i think everybody probably comes to this realization at a certain point in their life when you realize that your parents are fallible you know that, mm-hmm. that they can make mistakes my parents got divorced when i was really little and then uh remarried and you know, as much as a little kid wants their parents to be together, I could tell they did not enjoy being around each other. It was stressful. They'd fight, you know, it's like, ah. and when they decided to get remarried, I was like, Whoa, that's, I do that all the time. That's a mistake. <laughs> like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> you guys are fucking up. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that was a kind of valuable lesson to see you know, huh. people, adults make a mistake. And one that was, seems like so obvious on the surface, yeah. but they were trying, you know I mean? They were trying and, uh, but yeah, they got divorced and, and mercifully split and found much more compatible partners. My stepdad is like one of my favorite people on the planet, mm. real sensitive, quiet guy, plays mm. guitar. Mm. They met at church, you know, like he was the guitar player. My mom was the organist, you know, real sweet, you know, lovely, lovely thing. So yeah, it, it, it worked out, but she, she did have kind of a hard time with it though. Cause when you are divorced from someone who's the 
father of four of your kids, you know, you've got some feelings about that for sure. sure. And then she was made to feel like unwelcome in that grief. You know what I mean? But mm. this is the South, man. So, you know, there's mm. all kinds of repression and weird dumb shit that doesn't have any place in polite society. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, she, she felt a little alienated and awkward for, for having grief about it, you know, mm. which I think is unfair, but you live and you learn. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Caffeine. I really am just yammering my tits that's, off. That's I, why we're here, man. <laughs> that's why we're here. That's it's great. I'm, I'm, I'm talking right now to one of the most uh, interesting people I, I get to oh, listen to. Oh, thank and I you. Can't but stop that's the, who gives a shit, man. Everybody's heard all my stuff. Man, I'm all played out. That's why they're listening. You're, you're the fresh meat here. So, <laughs> you know, dance, 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 monkey. Um, okay. You you told me something earlier. Uh, you know, and we're talking about these pivotal moments that yeah. that come up in your life. What was it like within a week of your dad dying? You got robbed. Oh yeah. Uh, so I was, um, I think I was twenty one or twenty two years old, twenty two, and my uh, the woman who's now my wife and I were living together for the first time, and uh, and we split up. We totally we broke up, um, and I, I won't for personal reasons tell you all the details of that, but. Uh, um, that was hard, you know, cause like I, I was so in love and we split up and then, uh, she moved out and, uh, very shortly after that, uh, my father went into the hospital and was in the ICU for 10, 12 days and died. Um, and then very shortly after that, I came home from work. I was, I was a bartender. I came home late at night and it was like having been moved out. Someone kicked in the little air conditioning unit and I had five guitars, a cello, recording equipment. The only thing they didn't take were my clothes, my mattress, uh, my refrigerator, and a piano. They got everything I'd ever recorded, every book I owned, like the sheet music. I mean, they took everything, My every record I'd ever owned. They weren't in a hurry. They had all the time in the world. I mean, I was like moved out. So they had like... <laughs> I mean, it sounds like they backed a truck up or yeah, something. They must, I mean, it, you know, could have been a series of Cadillacs. I don't know what the fuck they could have just kept on coming and going. Yeah. Cause I was at work for eight hours. You know, right. they just, they knew, uh, and, yeah. and I lived in kind of a working class neighborhood where a lot of people were service industry and were gone at night, you know? So it was just the perfect opportunity for them to move me out. And my, my neighbor next door, the sweet old lady at the time, she's like, Andrew, I'll be honest. You do so much weird stuff over there. I didn't know what was different than normal. I just thought you were up to some weird stuff at night. <laughs> mm. She didn't know I was being, you know, systematically robbed, but wow. yeah. But so that was those three things happening in such a short period of time. Uh, yeah, I'd say that was pretty, pretty pivotal. Um, and, and that's I, when you joined the circus. That's no, I actually started giving hand jobs for the circus for the circus. And then there you yeah. go. work your way up work. Yeah. You can't just immediately start juggling. <laughs> There's a casting couch and a hierarchy. Right. No, uh, I, um, I didn't have to sell anything. So, uh, a friend of mine, <laughs> that's right. no yard sale, no yard unless sale. you want to buy the yard. Yeah. <laughs> well, a friend of mine, it was like, Hey, you're the only person I know who might say yes to this. I want to go hike. <laughs> Always a good intro. Always a good intro. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, would you want to go hike with me on the Pacific Crest Trail? And I didn't know anything uh, about it. I didn't even know anything about the Appalachian Trail. I knew had no concept. I had hiked, no shit, and I had camped, but I'd never combined the two. So, did your friend 
make this offer to you knowing that you had just been cleared out, your girlfriend had left you, your father died, and you're like at loose ends? Or did it just happen that way? Maybe. I mean, you know how it is when you're young and self-absorbed you don't necessarily pay attention to what your friends are telling you <laughs> I, I, he may have, that's a good friend if if he invited you because it's like you know what i think he could use this right now we, that's a good fucking friend we didn't know each other that well we played uh, in bands together uh, he was a tuba okay. player actually uh, uh, tuba and a didgeridoo player uh fucking didgeridoo, didgeridoo players player. man yeah. i don't trust him i got some did he have dreadlocks not at the time. He had, we both had long hair, though. Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't have He's He's Irish. Uh, Irish. Sean, Sean Murphy. Didgeridoo playing that didgeridoo. player. He was, uh, he was a good guy. But he. I, I'm not sure. I think he just knew that I had loose <laughs> plans at all times. Because yeah. even before, before that had happened to me, I was pretty untethered to a typical sort of trajectory. Right. Uh, but so he knew that I was up for kind of whatever. Um but yeah, he asked me to do it on like New Year's Eve. Um, I was like, well, yeah, I'll do that. And thinking he would forget about it, you know, but he held me to it. And then just a few months later, we were, we found ourselves in California in San Diego, getting ready to walk. Hmm. And my first night on the trail was the first time I'd ever hiked to a destination and then camped there. Hmm. <laughs> and we got rained on at the, near the Mexican border, which was pretty wild. And how far did you get? I went about 800 miles or so. Um, it's a 2,700 mile trail. Um, and a good friend of mine actually, um, uh, did a fantastic documentary about it that, mm. uh, I'll turn you on to. It's great. What's te- it called? Te- Tell it on the mountain. It's Tell really it cool. On the mountain. Is it on YouTube or uh, where, where can people see it? I think you can get it on Amazon. Mm. Um, uh, it's, it's great. And, Cause he it gave a bunch of people cameras and they like, and he would meet up with various people along the way, but they just, these people just had their cameras with them. And he kind of edited together their footage and, and told like several different tales. Of mm. like, uh, it's, it's really cool. It wasn't the year that I hiked. It was many years later. What year did you do it? It was 2003. Oh. Yeah. Um, so you went, would you say 700 miles? Yeah, seven, uh, something like that, seven, 800 miles. So, I, I, I got off right when the mountains got big. <laughs> so everybody makes fun of me. For so that. above, beyond Yosemite? No, or? into the Sierras. I basically, I, I hiked into Kennedy Meadows uh, and went up. Uh, just to, above the Alabama Hills. Oh, uh, I was just there a week yeah. ago. Yeah, and where you're looking down into the Owens Valley, and it's all pink. And mm. yeah, I was like sitting there at uh, ten thousand feet. Um, and I actually just stayed last night in Malibu with the guy, the last person I saw on the trail. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. He woke me up in the morning, yelling my uh, my alias, yelling the name out. And in my dream, I was oh, dreaming. that's right. You have a trail name. Oh, yeah. Well, I had I have many many trails, <laughs> but I was in a dream. Uh, this I'd been pulled over. And the police officer knocked on the door. I'm like, and he's like, Dutch Malcolms. I was like, that's not my name. He's like, Dutch Malcolms. I was like, sorry, you got the wrong guy. And then I realized it's my friend hollering down the field, yeah. down the hill at me. <laughs> Dutch Malcolms. I was wondering why your email says Dutch Malcolms. Yeah. yeah. Why, why, where's that come from? It's, uh, oh, God, man. I am really yammering. I, when I lived in New York, um, I worked for an organic food home delivery service. In New York City. In New York City. Oh. And then uh, I moved to Portland, Oregon to open up a branch of that. Uh, and I was, God, way too young to be doing something like that. <laughs> I was 19 or 20 years old. Um, and I opened up this office and uh, the accountant at the New York office fucking hated me. And she would screen my calls and like made it very difficult for me to get money to do things. She was jealous that I got to, oh. you know, this young guy got to go out and do this, you know, fun thing. and smoke a bunch of pot and eat a bunch of free vegetables. <laughs> right. 
So like when I would call, I'd get the runaround. So uh, my my good buddy who works there, uh, who was my very first Patreon supporter, oh. yeah, we came up with fake names. Shout out to Patreon Shout supporters. To Patreon supporters, my good buddy Danny. I was like, hey, uh, I got in touch with Danny, and I didn't have a cell phone at this time. It was before cell phone. I was like, look, if you get a call from Dutch Malcolm's, it's me. Just take it. You know, he's like Dutch Malcolm's. Like, don't worry about it. So I think I was dutch and he he had a malcolm's name too just because it was kind of funny and now what's funny i use dutch malcolm's to like write reviews like charlatans on ebay i would fuck them over with dutch malcolm right i wrote some editorial stuff with dutch yeah malcolm's. yeah but now my nephews and nieces all have malcolm's names they all wanted to be a part of it so. part of the malcolm's so family it, yeah it's no longer functional as an alias because it's attached to me but yeah anyway sorry to go off on that that what, what were we doing in new york how'd you get up there Impulse. Impulse. I'm, Impulse. I'm seeing a, there's a thread. There's a thread running through this. I was actually in uh, in college at the University of Memphis for journalism. Um, and I read all the wrong books and took all the right LSD. And st- I like one day got home and I had like a big television and like this real cool sound system. And I'd read that book, uh, Amusing Ourselves to Death. Oh, yeah. And, Neil Postman. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then took LSD like in the same week for the first time. Uh-huh. And I got home and I put all that shit in my car. And before I could even get into the pawn shop, I sold it to someone in the parking lot of the pawn shop. It's like, never again. I, I got to get the fuck out of here. And I had like some crazy people living in my house. It was a, it was a weird scene. Uh, and I was like, well, I got to I got to try something else. I, I don't want to just live here in Memphis and like college. I, I I was too dumb to know about like uh, journalism that didn't, you know, work for just a network broadcast journalism. You know, I, mm-hmm. I just thought that was the only route. I didn't know anything about like Jeremy Scahill or right. like, you know, the intercept or anything. Yeah. You know, democracy now. I didn't right. think of, you know, this investigative journalism as a real option. So I, I bailed on my dreams as a journalist and thought I'd just be a, a weirdo. I've been successful. Yeah, at, congratulations! At my journalism career. I now have a fake radio show, which is pretty cool. That's it's it's a burgeoning field. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> and so does Jeremy Scahill. True, he has you know? a great. He's fake podcasting. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to the Intercept. <laughs> yeah, I like what those guys are doing. Yeah, really good, really good. Um, so you, so you're like, okay, I uh, I'm out of the journalism school. Why New York? Oh, my, I had a sister living there. My, oh. old, my oldest sister lived there and she's like, yeah, well, come up. Uh, you know, you can stay here and work with us or, um, you know, find work until you find a place and a job and stuff. And my, um, sort of pseudo brother-in-law at the time ran a, um, it was called MCOM management. It was a money management firm, mm. uh, like on the 57th floor of the empire state building. Oh, really? And uh, so I was very hesitant to take that job, you know, just to be a lackey in that environment. So I, I got a job as a um, a fundraising agent for the United Children's Fund. So I was basically walking around the streets of Manhattan asking people for money and getting cussed at. That's a tough gig. Oh, my God. I was not successful at that job. <clears throat> yeah. I, I borrowed my brother-in-law's bicycle and became a, um, a courier, a bike, bike courier. And... Uh, what year is this? This is 99, huh. 98, 99. Um, and then <laughs> the day that my bicycle got stolen, because <laughs> it just has to happen, and it got stolen as I was applying for another bike messenger job at a better company, <laughs> my, my boss was like, hey, look, you can uh, 
you know speak fluent english and and read you don't need to work for me go go see my friend so i drove i rode my bike over to this other place and while i was in there getting doing the interview someone was just hacking my bike apart to just get the components they just cut the thing apart i came down there and there was like somebody used like a, a sawzall or something to yeah. cut my bike frame in half and it's just my 90 dollar kryptonite lock Jesus sitting Christ. there uh, anyhow <laughs> so they cut the frame rather than the lock yeah right. and i had no money i didn't have a subway card because i've been riding my bike around so i had to walk from like you know downtown and my sister lived at like 72nd and broadway so i've walked that whole fucking stretch with this 90 pound lock dreading the conversation with my brother-in-law like, right oh my god it's his, it's his bike, bike yeah. and i got back to the apartment and um, i was like man i got bad news man that bike he's like fuck that bike i got great great news my secretary just quit. You're hired. It's like, oh god. So I started working as a lackey, right in the Empire State Building. In the Empire State Building, right as that first dot com bubble had burst, and everybody was losing money. Mm. So I was just fielding calls from angry people. Wow! Like, I'd answer the phone, MCOM management, and they they heard my voice a few times. But Andrew, listen to me. I know what you're going to say. You're going to say Michael's not there. I know he's there. He's probably standing right in front of you. Put that motherfucker on the phone. I'd be like, Eric, so good to hear from you. I'm so glad you called, man. Listen, if Michael were here and Michael's standing in front of me, like, <laughs> don't answer the phone. Oh, my God. It was brutal. Like, it was super brutal. Angry, rich people. Angry, rich people blaming me for their problems. Yeah. And they, they, they were losing lots of money. But uh, anyhow, while doing that, I was applying for other jobs and looking for an apartment. And uh, yeah, so that's what I was doing there. <laughs> I was just trying to figure it out. Same thing I'm doing now. Just trying to, trying to figure it out. It yeah, that's what we're all trying to do. Yeah. I, I I think you know the great the great irony of life is that y- you probably figure it out about 15 seconds before you die. <laughs> you know? That'd be great. I think would right? it? maybe. I mean, what would you do if let's just say objective like if you figured it out right now sitting here in this couch you're like, "Oh, I got it." What would you I'd have to leave. Paley would be fucking. He'd have yeah. to go. Well, he could stay. He could. St- I'd be gone. <laughs> yeah, you'd be out in the driveway. Yeah, you got to go. Uh, yeah. What would you do with it? You'd be the only one. You're so lonesome. <laughs> I don't know. I I I tend to think that there are people who have figured it out. Maybe. And uh, your buddy Stanley might have it figured out. I think Stanley's got it pretty well yeah. figured out. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't seem lonesome. But see, I think the irony is that people who have figured it out don't know that they figured it out. Because people walking around thinking they've got it all figured out, they don't really have it figured out because they've got all that ego and, you know. So I, I think... They're teaching a yoga class right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lots of namastes. Um, but I do feel like... Uh, how old are you? I'm 39. Or I'll, I'll be 39 uh, on May the 1st. Okay, yeah. 39 on May 1st. Yeah, yeah I as I've maybe maybe after 40 maybe until 40 i sort of preserved the the illusion of being young or something um but i do kind of feel i have this overall sense that like just as the party's winding down i'm figuring out how to dance yeah you know yeah and so there is a there's a satisfaction in that like oh i'm figuring this out and you know oh i, I get it and then you know i know 
more or less, you know, how to say the right thing to the right person in the right way. And I'm figuring, you know, shit like that. But there is a sense of like, God damn it. If I had known this 20 years ago, you might not have been as good at chronic clear as you are. Because I think you are, Mm. you have the right type of personality to be a good chronic clear of and to sort of sort out what happened. Mm. You know, you can look back on it because had you been dancing the whole time. You might not have observed it in the same way. Yeah, you know, I guess that's true. When you got your yeah. hands in the pocket and, and your pockets in the corner watching everybody dance, yeah, you kind of know how the dance went down. You saw everything go down. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and and of course, I mean, it all it's all integrated, right? Like that, you, you don't start to figure shit out if you haven't done that time. Yeah, on the outside. I mean, the cool kids in high school don't cool don't grow up to be cool adults. Yeah. You know, it's the outsiders in high school who are, you know, awkward and weird. They're the ones who are thinking in a way, I, I think. I may have gotten more awkward and weird as I've gotten older. Really? Were you a cool kid in high school? I went to a really small school mm. um, and everybody kind of was everything. You know what I mean? There mm. was, I, was a, I was the president of the chess club mm-hmm. and on the basketball team. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, it, it, it wasn't it was striated, but not as badly as a lot of people I've heard. There was right. 40 kids in my graduating class. So I, mm. I don't have a very good, but I definitely do feel more awkward. <laughs> I think I was maybe less aware of the awkwardness. Really? Uh, yeah. I don't care about the awkwardness now. I just can observe it. Like, oh, but you don't seem like an awkward guy. And really? You're a musician, right? Uh, what, uh, yes, what kind uh, of music do you play? Uh, I play guitar and sing. And cello? Was that your cello? No, I wanted to learn how to play cello. Oh. I, would, I just played it like a bass, like a oh, bass guitar, right, you know. Right. Um, and I was trying to, I didn't have a teacher. Right. I didn't know how to play the banjo either. I had a neighbor who was an amazing banjo player, and I got one lesson from him before the thing was stolen. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no. I mean, you're a musician, you got tattoos, you look like a hip dude, you're driving around in a sweet van. I don't know how awkward you can be. Yeah, I guess, maybe. You got a great wife, a cool a great dog, wife. you got it all worked out, yeah. man. So you're, okay, you had this experience, this AFib, atrial fibrillation, yeah. scared the fuck out of you. Mm-hmm. A week later, you bought the van. Yep. And you bought the van with the idea like, okay, we're going to take a trip. Yeah, we were going to take, so we knew we were going to do a trip. Um, and we'd been talking about it. We thought about actually riding our bikes from uh, Alaska down or just actually from Sebastopol where we live down to uh, Argentina. Um, <laughs> yeah, just, just, just from you know, Sebastopol. We weren't going to ride back. I mean, Jesus. Yeah, you know. yeah. We're not crazy. We're not crazy. I, I saw a really amazing documentary the very inspiring thing that um mark beaumont the man who cycled around the world mm. and he he rode from alaska to tierra del fuego on his bicycle and climbed both i think mckinley or no i'm sorry denali, uh, denali yeah, yeah fuck mckinley denali and Aconcagua. Aconcagua yeah. in the same season like yeah. in the same climbing season right. made that whole ride and it just looks so i mean he's a great he, and he did most of it with one hand because he was filming as he was riding, like way Jesus cool. Yeah. Christ! But uh, it, it was really inspiring. I was like, man, I'd like to do that. Let's, let's try that out, you know. And my wife is is up for it. And uh, but we were like, you know, your wife's as crazy as you are, man. She's so cool, man. I'm really, I'm sorry that she's not here. You're really missing out. Yeah, she sounds great. She's great, man. She's really cool. So but, she's down. And she's, and I guess as a nurse, it's not hard for her to leave and come back. And I oh, she's incredibly employable. Oh. She got. 
the job that she has now basically on the phone on the on the ride out in our rv hmm. <laughs> i went to massage school in uh in sonoma county we both wanted to learn new things that's kind of always what we're doing we're always looking to learn the next you know i've had a lot of different careers and she's becoming a better nurse each time mm-hmm. she moved somewhere um she's done a lot of travel nursing which is uh, a great way to hone your skill as a nurse to just suddenly throw yourself in a new environment um but yeah so we we were like well we could do the ride but like we knew from doing the east to west ride that like if there's something you know even 20 miles out of the way you know that's north or south of your destination you'll, you might skip it because it's kind of a, a whole or half day's ride yeah Whereas in the van, you, know, you could just bring your bikes with you and park 40 miles away or park right there and ride around. And, yeah. Um, and I, I, I like vans. I've had a lot of vans, you know, yeah. uh, I've had Volkswagens and I've, I've had like an old Ford van and, uh, huh. but this was the first time I had really got an opportunity to like build a home in one. Right. So, so, um, I will say my wife is really cool, but I'm very good at speaking convincingly in the dark. <laughs> I have a skill in convincing uh, my wife that this is a good idea. Um, she's like half asleep, just saying, all right, yeah, whatever. I had to ask her to marry me multiple times. Mm-hmm. Didn't say yes in the first try. Um, and it's Did like she that. ignore you? No, she said maybe or not now. What, what did she say? It wasn't, it wasn't no and it wasn't yes, but it was like something very noncommittal that left you just holding your trousers you know just like well <laughs> right but i deserved that i probably deserved a no to be honest but i got a yes eventually yeah um and and that's kind of how it works in a lot of our endeavors like i have to pitch her on it and i have to refine the pitch and, right and uh convince her and myself in the process that we know what the fuck we're doing yeah yeah so you're so eventually she agreed yeah. And you've got some money saved up, presumably, and you're going to now. OK, did you initially decide like we're going to go to Argentina or did and then you added on the Alaska? Is that how it worked? <laughs> yeah, it's gotten weirder and bigger by the month. It's still not. We don't have. There's nothing set in stone. Yeah. At all on Good. the trip. I mean, yeah. it continues to be the child of impulse. <laughs> right. Um uh, I always like that phrase between impulse and echo, you know, like mm. that, that's what radar is. There's an impulse. And when that echo comes back, all the information in between mm. is what's your, is your data. Right. And that's kind of what this feels like to me. What life feels like is that the distance between impulse and echo is, is now, you know, and that's, I don't want to sound too, I have been living in Sebastopol. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> God damn it. It's in the water. Yeah, it's in the water. Uh, but I did think like this in Memphis for whatever that's worth. Yeah. But uh, it, to me, uh, as the trip progresses, if you don't have an exact route, like if you have a set of maybe goals um, and no, no one holding you to those goals, you can you you'll find so much more right you know? right you're like yeah we'd love to see the arctic circle but fuck man we'd, let's go see this and then you meet that right. person and right this. yeah that's the way to travel yeah keep it open keep and it loose open. and also it uh, do you have a schedule are you like we got to be here by there's some uh, there's some people we'd like to see mm-hmm. i'd like to go see our mutual friend charis in in colorado and um and the guy who married us and lives in colorado as well uh, i'd like to go see him 
I, I want to take my wife to the Grand Canyon for her birthday, uh, which is in September. So um, there's some things like that that kind of, um, I don't know, it's like, it's like a law in a, in a lawless country. It's like a, it's a guideline, something right. that you can kind of use to sort of outline the edges of right. your intention. Yeah. So, that's the way to do it. Yeah. That's kind of, that's the move. Okay. Me. So just to like sort of lay it out for people, you're going to go the, the, uh, mm-hmm. at this point, the presumed route is you're going to go up to Alaska, mm-hmm. cruise up to the Arctic circle, mm-hmm. uh, up around Nome or Point Barrow or whatever that is. Yeah. Come back down to Fairbanks, mm-hmm. cut over through the Canadian Rockies, yeah. come down into Idaho, Montana, yep. and do like Yellowstone and all that crazy yes. shit. Oh, I can tell you about some really Excellent. nice places. And and I'm, I'm glad that you're saying all this because my geography, for all my traveling, is there. Oh, really? Yeah, I can never remember where they all Yeah, and no, I can see the map in my head. Oh, you're a smart cookie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you're saying all this. But, yeah, topographical as well. That's... Yeah, if we end up in Alabama, uh, I apologize to everyone listening. <laughs> so then down into the Grand Canyon, you're going to go through Moab and yes. the Four Corners area and yes. Canyonlands. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I must preface this by telling a fluent Spanish speaker, my Spanish is muy malo. It's not mm. good. So we're going to do um, we're going to do an immersion course or two in Mexico. We're, so we're going to work our way to Baja, and that's how we're going to enter in, go south to Baja through roughly the winter. You know, uh-huh. um, ferry over Mazatlan, right. work our way down. And there's there's some things we want to do for sure. Like I'm I'm certainly very interested in ayahuasca. I'm interested in mushroom ceremony in Oaxaca. I'm interested in Vipassana retreats. I'm interested in learning more Spanish. Um, so we're, we're making room in our schedule to do that sort of mm. thing, enrich and learn and, and share. And if, you know, if we find work, I mean, I have done a lot of different jobs. Mm-hmm. So, and my wife is very employable and very skillful in, in what right. she does. So we're, we're, we're up for whatever. If there's right. an opportunity where someone's like, hey, you can work here and help me build a shed and I'll teach you Spanish, um, you know, Right. Well, we'll do it, you know. Yeah, cool. So so we've got we've got if everything goes well, we've got two years worth of money based on a rough daily budget. You know? Right. Um gas and tires and gas, tires, food, yeah, uh, the dog. Yeah. Know? I mean, God, there's all kinds of weird expenses with hawking a dog through really <laughs> border crossings. Oh, yeah, you yeah, gotta have all the papers and all that shit. Yeah. 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 So if you'd like to support us on Patreon, we're at Patreon forward slash Monkey Tooth Podcast. Monkey Tooth Podcast. We do not. We also do not sell any ads. Uh, yeah, I like I like that, that you don't sell ads. That'd be cool if, if you, you know, build up enough supporters that like maybe even if it's just like your gas is covered, oh, you know, be amazing. that'd be so be amazing. Yeah. make your trip so much longer yeah. and you're going to be posting lots of photos and videos and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, that'll be cool. And I, I like to write and I, I feel like I'll, the two of us will generate content, I guess, if that's what people are paying for as mm-hmm. a supporter, you know, that they're going to get something out of it. Like. You know, there, there's plenty of content, I think, to be had in the experience. And, yeah. You know, I, I don't want to do that sort of metering thing. I mean, I know that that's a thing that you give Patreon supporters something that no one else gets. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we probably will do some of that. Um, how do you, I mean, do you want to, do you even have something you want to talk about, like with your podcast? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still working my way through it. I mean, I, I, I do feel like it's, you know, and certainly the, if you read the, 
Patreon, you know, tips and tricks and, you yeah. know, whatever to build up your thing. Like they always say, like, make sure you give your supporters, supporters something extra, something yeah. special. And, you know, on mine, it's like if you if you pledge, I don't know what it is, 20 bucks, you know, after two months, we'll send you a T-shirt if you want yeah. it or a signed copy of Sex of Dawn or this or that or, you know, so I'm happy to like have that kind of bonus shit, yeah. you know. Um, and then uh, I started doing um, well. I, I thought I would do like the Toma and the Roma things just on Patreon. just for Patreon. That's cool. But the problem with that is, first of all, you know, some people don't have credit cards, and and right. you know, it's like yeah. And what I do on Patreon is like if I don't care if it's just a buck a month, You're whatever in. I put up, You're I put in. it's for, up for everybody. That's fair. Um, you know, because I was thinking like, oh, come on. Everybody's got a buck a month. Like, give me a break. You're yeah. listening to eight hours of podcast and yeah. you don't have a buck. Give me a buck. Come on, buddy. Yeah. Um, but I bought a T-shirt and a hoodie, but I've never given you a dollar on Patreon. And every time I hear the ad, I'm like, God, I'm such a fucker. What are-? You are such a cheap motherfucker. I listen to a lot of podcasts, too, and I don't yeah. give anybody any and, money. And the money for the, the shirts and the hoodies goes to my mother. Yeah. I, I don't even see any of that. My mother just she just keeps it. She's like, that's my money right there. Yeah. Um, no, but it's cool. I, I like having my mom like yeah, involved, and you know, and she, so cool. she and she really. I mean, she's and and sometimes people in the order form. There's a place for notes, oh, and sometimes great. people say like, "Hey, you did a really good job," you oh, know, with your son Julie. And that's great. Everyone she like sends me like, "Did you see this?" And, oh, yeah, it's, I love that. Yeah, that's she, cool. She's, she's sweet. Anyway, uh, yeah. So what I, but then I thought like, yeah, there are people like whatever. I, I don't. So what I did the last one I just put up a few days ago, I did like uh, a Roma. I did the first forty-five minutes. And that's available for everyone. And then I do another one, uh, like the second half. That's only for the Patreon. That's cool. So it's, you know, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. But, you know, then I get people write to me and they're like, you know, Patreon people. And they're like, hey, dude, you know, don't worry about it. I'm, I give yeah. you money because I like what you're doing. For sure. I'm not doing it because yeah. you're going to give me a shirt or, or yeah. I get special access. So I really don't know what the best way is. As a consumer of podcasts, I kind of wish there was a space where you could just say, okay, look, I'm willing to spend 30, you know, 30 bucks a month or whatever it is. And here are the podcasts that I listen to. Will you divvy it up? I'm Mm -hmm. sure there's an algorithm that could, you know, whoever you listen to the most or however you want to make it work. Yeah. Seems like that would be a hip way to do it where you could just make sure all the people that you listen to get a little something so you could support multiple yeah. I mean, I guess that's what Patreon wants you to do. You can just well, give. Yeah. I mean, you could do that on Patreon, right? right? Cause you can, I, I see people adjust their stuff. So it might mm. be, I'll see like somebody, you know, went from 10 bucks to five bucks. Right. So they probably took that five bucks and now they're giving that to Duncan or, you know, to Moshe or whatever. Sam Harris. <laughs> he needs it. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Harris really needs that cash. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to give Sam Harris. I just, I know uh, I've listened to your friend Kyle, and he's always giving you Sam Harris books. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, Kyle's a fucking. That's Kyle's really a handful. That's great. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I I don't know what it is about Sam Harris, but people who like him just can't can't conceive of the fact that everyone doesn't. No, I, I get it, man. My wife hates you. She will never listen to a Chris Ryan podcast. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> 
but I still love her. Uh, you love my wife. You okay, tell no. her. You tell no, her. I said hi. So my wife does not listen to podcasts ever. Yeah, and like I've 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 kind of made her listen to a couple, and she, I think she listens to ours, like because she's there with me, kind of editing. But I don't know that she ever like listens to the full thing. Yeah, but she's just not. It's not her thing. Yeah, know? just not. But she's perfectly happy to be involved in one, which is cool. Right. But, um, but yeah, she's not going to sit down and listen to one. Yeah. Well, I hear that. But you're going to have a lot of time on the road, man. Yeah. yeah. And she's going to get tired of listening to you. Ooh, she so. has been done, been tired <laughs> listening to me, man. <laughs> she's going to be like, how about some Joe Rogan for a fucking change? Please. Please, let yeah. me talk to that bald-headed motherfucker. Let me talk to the dog who doesn't speak English. <laughs> Anybody but your rambling. All right, man. We've been... It's We've been on, one. it's over an hour and I, I promised I would make you dinner. So oh, man, this is beautiful. Thank yeah. you for talking to me. Thank this you. Cool. This was yeah. fun. And uh, people can follow your peregrinations yeah. on the web. Uh, did, Word, peregrinations. Yeah. Does that, will you define that for <laughs> Peregrinations are like wanderings. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. It's, it's move, moving around and it, I think it means like not with a set direction. It's oh. just sort of. Well done. Yeah. Peregrinations. <laughs> yeah, you can follow those. Yeah. yeah. MTP.DOG. I fucking killed on the SAT test, man. That, man. I mean, that was the high point of my life right there. I did not. I did not. What a shocker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you, Monkey Tooth Podcast. Check it out, ladies and gentlemen. Woo-hoo. Thank you for listening. All right. And thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I sure did. Andrew's a great guy. I have a new friend. And so do you. Reach out to him. I'm sure he'll be glad to hear from you. The podcast is just getting started, so he's not overwhelmed with emails and fan attention as of yet. So uh, throw him some fan attention while you can. Uh, There are lots of ways to support this podcast if you'd like to. If you'd like to keep uh, part of your life commercial free, uh, please, please send some money. Money currency, Bitcoin, whatever. Uh, Patreon is a way to do it. Of course, patreon.com. Just look for Tangentially Speaking. And uh, yeah, I just am posting a photograph of Casilda's granddaughter on Patreon. So I'm not going to make the Romas and the Tomas and all that behind the paywall, but I do share personal things on Patreon that um, I don't share just with the internet in general. So if you want to have that kind of uh, special personal relationship, or if you just want to support the podcast, please do so through Patreon. Also, the use of my Amazon affiliate link um, results in a small percentage of whatever you spend getting kicked back to me. Uh, It does not officially support the podcast, but it does help me buy drugs and support my various illicit habits, you know, massage parlors and um, whiskey and, you know, outings to casinos and things like that that I love to do. So uh, you'll find that link on thatchrisryan.com or tangentiallyspeaking.com. It's the same place. In the right margin, you'll see a thing where it says, here's that Amazon affiliate link I mentioned. Unless you're on a phone, just scroll down. It's down toward the bottom. So if you're in the U.S., the U.K., or Canada, that works. Thank you. Uh, if you're not in one of those countries, it's it's not hooked up yet. Uh, reviews on iTunes are helpful and uh, fantastic. 
to uh, lead more people to listen to the podcast, show that it's a legit operation. And also when uh, I need a little ego massaging, I can go there and read people saying nice things. Uh, the intro music is by Basin and Range. They're up in Portland, Oregon. The song is called Bright Side of the Sun. Check it out uh, at basinandrange.bandcamp.com. I encourage you to listen to the entire song because the part that I use there is all sort of funky and cool and exotic, but then it gets really wild. Well worth listening to the whole song and their other stuff as well. There's a conversation a lot of conversations happening on Reddit. If you do that, reddit.com, search Tangentially Speaking, you'll see a community there of several thousand people talking about the podcast, talking about related material, uh, you know, articles that seem to correspond or uh, intersect in some way with the podcast. That's a great way to meet other people who listen to the podcast and are interested in the same crazy bullshit that you and I are. If you want shirts... My mom's got them. She's got them in the garage, all sorts of shirts. Uh, and you'll see those on the website as well, of course. And if you want to get something from Shore Design T-shirts, they've got all sorts of yoga clothes and leggings and jewelry and all sorts of cool shit from Thailand. If you use the discount code CTD, as in Civilized to Death, CTD, you get 20% off your entire order. I think that's about it. I'm going to play you out, as I always do, almost always, with Smoke Alarm by the great Carsey Blanton. If uh, she's coming to your town on tour, make sure you go out and see her and give her a kiss from me. She's fantastic, and you can learn more about her, including where she's touring, on CarseyBlanton.com. Here's to you, Bennett and Justin. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel Say what you want to say You're going to die one day For example, I could kiss you Just because I want to What's the difference if you turn away? I'm going to die one day Why do you waste your time Thinking about your reputation Trying to meet an expectation Wondering what they're gonna say When everyone you've ever known Is headed for a headstone I don't wanna give the end away But we're gonna die one day Your body is an animal Doesn't ask for much a little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Your heart is in a birdcage Singing in your chest You wanna shut it up but give it a rest You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Thinking about a reputation Running from a confrontation Wondering what we ought to say <laughs> When everyone we've ever known Is headed for a headstone I don't want to give the end away But we're gonna die one day We're gonna die one day We're gonna die one day So baby, what's a big deal? 
If you wanna be free, say what you wanna feel. Spend the night with me. I'm gonna take you up in my arms, and if we must go down, we'll go singing to the smoke alarms. We'll dance into the ground.